much appreciated and um, vital uh, time of uh, joining in sending. You know that uh, we'll be celebrating Prince's wedding. It's one of the things there. We'll be doing that. I would hope that we could all join in that celebration. You know, not not just in terms of, uh, you know, it'd be nice if we could all be there, but not just from that point of view, but from the point of view of, you know, this is Prince. This is another stage. This is him getting married. This is another step of his life being transformed. Remember, this is the guy uh, that, that was a, a boy soldier involved in killing and mutilating, would have had many wives as part of how they were when they were fighting in the jungle. And God has arrested him and put his hand upon him and brought him through to this place and imparted uh, principle and, and kingdom values and wisdom and maturity so that he uh, leads those projects, the church and the, uh, this, this project and the school and the home. I mean, just a very significant thing. And now he's entering into uh, a marriage uh, of a proper nature, of a godly nature. I mean, to me, when I look back and I think, wow, the Lord has done great things. Yeah? And I think... Uh, those of you who've been around longer, you, you can kind of think back to all the sort of uh, disappointments, all the hassles, all the times of praying, sometimes praying through the night, such crises, such dilemmas, and, and here we have something of a, of a completely different nature. It's, it's worth rejoicing. It's worth recognizing that there is a going forth with precious seed, with tears, with weeping, but there is also a coming again with rejoicing. And uh, I think to be rejoicing. And you know, not only that, one of the things they're proposing is when Richard was alive, because of the apostolic anointing upon him, he had uh, gathered a number of leaders, key leaders, and, and developed a network with the attack from the enemy uh, and the awful things that happened after his death, that was kind of dissipated. But not long ago, um, PJ and uh, I don't know who else it was, they were praying. It's one of the times PJ was out there and uh, felt God talk to them about regathering, reconnecting, because we actually believe in relationship, we believe in network, we believe in serving one another. And uh, they waited on that and felt as I'm going this time, that that would be the appropriate time to, to actually uh, seek to gather and, and lay uh, a foundation that is appropriate uh, for where we are now. So that's just a, uh, another interesting thing that's uh, quite possibly going to take place and we need to be seeking God to see that, that that could be followed through. So yeah, an interesting time should be, should be good warm there not the rainy season just a hot season <laughs> now isn't it good that we don't have to have like a, a, a kind of 
theological root or a doctrinal sort of series. We can just go wherever God's taking us. Yeah? And I'm thinking, I don't want to rush on too much given the things that we've heard, things we've been celebrating this week. And I just want to pick up some of the things from this week to share with us uh, for a little while and, uh, and then see what God's got for us in that. But <clears throat> I was very intrigued uh, coming in this morning to be given this uh, newsletter. Now, I know none of you have read it yet because you wouldn't be reading this. Those of you, of course, that were here early, like me, you've read it beforehand, but nobody else has read it yet. But on the back, something Andy Garland's written. And it's all about the, the destroying of, a, of almost a prison of hopelessness. And I thought, isn't that interesting? Because one of the things I want to share with us, but more than share with us, there's something that I feel that God has got for us this morning, so I'm going to talk about that a little bit, and then we're going to ask God to confirm his word. We're going to minister into that, and then we'll carry on with the next thing that I, I want to pick up from this week. So, uh, if Jamie was here, I would, I would you know, I've been... I, I, this is freedom for me because when he's here I have to go through a process and answer lots of questions and, and uh, get shaped up. But now I can just be all over the place. Don't you tell him. <laughs> but he would require a title. So in deference to that, I've got a title. I'm just looking for it. Uh, oh yes. We are dare to ask, expect to receive, dare to dream. And that's kind of where we are. So let's pick up a few things. First of all, turn with me to Luke chapter 24. <clears throat> Shall I just read the story quickly? That might be an idea. I'm starting at verse 13. Now, the same day, two of them, these the disciples, were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. This is, remember, after Jesus had been crucified. <coughs> As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? And they stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem? Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and don't know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. What about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, a power, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. We had hoped, we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. I think it was one of the words or one of the pictures that 
Steve Wright brought to us a while ago about um, not being able to fill a vessel, a glass, because there was stuff already in the inside that needed to be emptied out. And as I've been looking to God and hearing what you've been saying this week, I felt that today was a time to particularly draw a line under some specific emptying out. And the thing I'm feeling is where a loss of hope is actually still there, in spite of everything that's been said, where there's a loss of hope. And I believe today that God wants to, by his power, draw a line under that, set us free from that, so that where we can identify a loss of hope, that thing gets dealt with by the power of his might, even today. So let's just look at this a little bit, just to help us, because you see, as we look into the word, Bible teaches us that the vital ingredient comes. The vital ingredient uh, for what God is doing is faith. And that comes as we receive his word. And so, there in this discourse, we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And they're kind of... <clears throat> you can, you've got to imagine the scene. They're trudging along. They're utterly... Um, I mean, they're... How would you describe it? Despair? Uh, utter disappointment? Everything that they'd focused themselves upon somehow whipped out. Uh, and it was leaving... They were distraught, and it was leaving a gaping hole. And uh, so much so, they couldn't comprehend how somebody wouldn't know what the situation was. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. What is more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of the, our women, amazed us, they went to the tomb early this morning and didn't find his body. They came and told us they'd seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. You kind of... Uh, feel that they've heard it, but they're not living in the good of it. You can hardly get the impression that they are rejoicing about the very thing that they're saying that they'd heard. They're, 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 their difficulty is in the actually receiving it now. They've been, their, their, their expectation have been so cut off that they were in a difficult place. Uh, then some of our companions went to the tomb. They found it was just as the women had said. And then he began to speak to them, all that the prophets have spoken. Did you not know that Christ had to suffer these things? And they approached the village. I'm skipping through a little bit because of time. They approached the village. He's acting, Jesus acting as though he's going to go further. They get him to come and eat with them. Uh, and uh, then as they're at the table, he takes bread and gives thanks and break it. And at that point, their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They received the powerful working of the Holy Spirit that took them, not just from hearing, not just from knowing, but into the experience, the reality that Christ had risen from the dead. That they were transformed from not, not place of knowledge to a place of revelation. 
and it made a big difference. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. Can you imagine? You know, they're not going to be trudging along. They returned at once. Don't say that they finished the meal. Uh, and uh, it's true they came to the assembled company. It's true the Lord has risen and has appeared. And they told them what had happened as he broke bread. Time to clear out the mess, the gunge. They're brokenhearted, clearly. We've just seen that verse 14. They're downcast. Jesus questions them. And one of the things that emerged here was as they were honestly speaking about where things were at, what were they doing? They were confessing their need. They were being basically open and honest. The only thing that God requires, that issue of saying, I stand, Lord, in need. And so that's what he was helping them to do. They were being real about where they were. We had hoped, verse 21, hope deferred, dreams unfulfilled, a painful experience. They actually believe Jesus is dead. They've heard the stories from the others, but they can't really receive it. Feeling sad, hopeless, shattered, full of unbelief. And the good news is that if there is any element of that, I believe that today God wants to clear that out because he wants to place instead that position of hope, that position of faith, that position which we talked about, that Holy Spirit anticipation, which the Bible calls hope. And, and we want that to be a full measure not a limited measure because of things that are kind of uh, still resident there. Unbelief, believing the experiences of life more than believing God and his promises. It's not so much non-belief. Let's think about it. I want us to be real about this, but there's a helplessness. They couldn't do anything for Jesus. There's a hurt about what had been done to Jesus. There's a hurt of a loss of a loved one. I mean, this is not just a kind of story. This was something that was... This was their life. It's very real. And I, I, I just mention these things because I want us to be able to identify to the point that we can then respond to what God's got for us today. What about some anger at the injustice of it all? Or a fear... If it happened to him, what could happen to us? Or maybe some bitterness. Look what Judas did. Just horrific. Or a resentment. Maybe at the crowd. Or even at God for apparently deserting him. And then there's their own guilt. Having themselves deserted Jesus. What does he do? Jesus brings word, brings truth, declares again to them what actually already was established. So in place of their experience, there's an insertion of something which is contrary to their experience, which is transforming. And of course, once they recognize it's Jesus, once they recognize he's with them, there's a total change. A revelation that brings a difference. It's listening to him. 
did not our hearts burn within us? We aren't talking about some story. We're not talking about some soulish thing. We're talking about the reality of when somehow God breaks through. The reality that Richard spoke about today wasn't about circumstances change. It was somehow God broke through and enabled him to make a choice to view the thing differently. The ability to live, the ability to love, to pick up and continue. Isaiah 49 says, Hope in me and you'll not be disappointed. Isaiah 61, it's a very comforting thing, says that he was sent to bind up broken-hearted. See, God just wants reality. It's not about um, burying uh, or pretending. It's it's recognizing that there's some hurt that still stays. There is a burying. I think when we're holding on to a dream that God didn't give us, we have to be prepared to let go of that in favor of, Lord, what do you want? I think there's that, because that can insulate us from reality. It's a holding on to what God says. Dealing with those things. You hearing me? <clears throat> I think that's the first thing. And hope is released as a new fervency, new expectation, new importance. But I believe that we shouldn't go any further. We raise this matter, and I want to give now opportunity. We're going to ask God to clear out that residue. So let's just stand together. We'll come on to look at some more stuff in a minute, but I, I don't want to go on before we, we deal with this. I just give you this opportunity, even as they had on that road to Emmaus, this opportunity... As, and you don't need to go digging around searching for this, but you will know, as I've been talking about these things and reading these scriptures, you will know if Lodge somewhere is a, a hopelessness coming out of hope that you've hung on to, but you know the unfulfilled nature of that is having a, a negative effect on being able to, to rise up into a new level of expectation and fervency. Well, it may not happen, but you remember what happened last time. Uh, what if it doesn't? You know that kind of damper, that kind of wet blanket that's on the inside that basically... Somehow, you, you, you want to step up, but it's like a weight holding you back. It's stuff that is in the plan of God to clear out. So let's just turn to him. And what I'd like you to do, what I think you should do would be helpful, where you are living with something like this, and you know because 
the only value in this is as God the Holy Spirit has caused things to come to mind that are kind of like weights that you're carrying and, and, and are holding you back. I just want you, just right where you are in the quietness of your own heart, to just confess that before God, just as they did on the road to Emmaus. We had hoped. Now we're trudging along. It's difficult to think and to have an expectation for the future. We had hoped. And as you rest that with God, and as you confess that to him, we're going to pray and ask God to confirm his word and to release and remove that and to clear out that particular weight or gunge or whatever you want to call it so that you're free to enter into what God is saying and doing at this time. Okay? Lord, we look to you now at this time. We look to you for your promise to be fulfilled. Lord, that you would confirm your word with signs following. And we ask specifically now, Lord, as you move amongst us, that where you hear, where you see the confession of hearts that are looking for something and yet wanting to look forward but can't because of these issues, these events of the past which leave a sense of hopelessness. We pray in our Lord that you would stand amongst us and that you would remove those things by the power of your Spirit in as an effective way as you did for those on that road to Emmaus. In the name which is above every name. In the name of Jesus. And just take a moment. Lift that up to him. I surrender all, all to you, my precious Savior, I surrender all. Let's take this again. It's a good prayer, something we can join in together, something that can be very, very meaningful. I'm giving you, Lord, this this stuff. I don't need to carry it anymore. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior. All to thee, my blessed Savior. I Just lift these things now in the name of Jesus.
let's just lift our hands, lift our hearts to say thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for doing in me what I couldn't do in myself. Thank you, Lord, for releasing me by the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for setting me free. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, that you saw me as I was. Thank you, Lord, that you looked right in. Thank you, Lord, for your release. Thank you, Lord, that we can walk free. Thank you, Lord, that we can live with a positive expectation based on truth rather than, as it were, limp along under a heavy burden formed from disappointment and experience. Thank you, Lord, for the power of your word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's just lift up his name. Name above every name. Oh, hallelujah. Name above all names. Oh, yes. Beautiful Savior. Glorious his name. Blessed Redeemer, Once again. Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Name above take your seats. Let me encourage you to do something that's very, very important. Take opportunity in the next few days to actually speak to somebody and say, hey, God spoke to me. God released this. God empowered me to no longer have to carry that. Yeah? It's very interesting because not only did we have that when we came in, but then we heard what Richard brought to us in terms of his personal experience. It's very interesting how God helps us and prepares us for what, what he wants. The goodness of God. Isn't God good? Yeah. Yeah. Praise God. And you know the Bible says, I want to pick up something else from the week. The Bible says in Amos 3 that God does nothing in that he first reveals it to his servants, the prophets. And I want now to, to cause us to begin to 
to move towards the next, uh, next step of cooperation with what God is doing. And I want to turn to that familiar story in Ezekiel uh, 37, the story of the dry bones. You know this, let me just quickly run through it. The hand of the Lord was upon me. He brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley full of bones. He led me back and forth among them. So I had a very good view of it. That's my bit. You can't see that in there. I just added that. I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? Let's pick up a couple of things. First of all, the hand of the Lord was upon him. That's where we started off. He's not sort of straight off somewhere. It's God's hand is upon him. Uh, so God is taking him into this. He's conscious that God's hand is upon him. It would not be my choice for a place to visit. I don't know about you. A valley full of dry bones. I guess if you're into bones in a big way, you might be interested. But, you know, it feels to me you know, not the place I want to spend my holiday. You know what I mean? How many of you would agree with me that sometimes God takes us to places that wouldn't actually be our first choice? Hmm? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. I felt like that when we first got married. <laughs> See, now you're, get, you're hearing it wrongly. Because you, 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 you interjected before I finished. That's the wickedness of your hearts. I was going on to say, when we lived in, over the top of Ada's calf in Beckentry Avenue, accessed through Mugger's Alley, negotiating the puddles and various other things. I'd always thought, for me, Exmoor. Or somewhere, you know, I don't come from Dagnum, I come from Hertfordshire. I come from Hoddesdon. Seriously, though, we know that there are times in the goodness of God, where he takes us, it wouldn't be where we choose. wouldn't be the experience we choose. I don't think I would have chosen this last year as a good experience. Some people have said to me, it must have been a wonderful experience in God. I should cocoa. <laughs> it was wonderful what I found that God was still working out his purpose in me. That was good. You know, if I'd have had a kind of discussion opportunity, I would have suggested that God selected a different process. But then I don't really get to that because he's God and I'm not and therefore we just submit to him. So not a nice place. Could say more about that, but I, I want to move on. Important that we don't lose sight of the fact that God chose to put his hand upon us. Is that good? 
Are you glad that God put his hand upon you? Are you glad that when you did not know him, he came to you? Are you glad that you never had to get to God and you never could have got to God and there's no religion in this world that can bring you to God, but God comes to you where you are and draws you to himself? Isn't that good? Yeah. So we recognize God's hand upon us. Not a lot of point in complaining and moaning and whining. Lord, this is where I am. I may have told you before, way, way back, in a small group, and uh, one, of the, one of the girls went off to college and she was doing like a needlework degree or something to do with, and she fell down the, run down a hill and fell and broke all her wrists and, and uh, was it wrists and fractured her hip, took the side off her face and, oh, it was just, I thought, wow. I went to see her. She was in sort of out Worcester way. And uh, she said something to me. She said she couldn't do the degree. She couldn't do anything because both her arms and that were in plaster and probably about 18. She said she came to and she said, well, Lord, here I am. Wow. Lord, you know. I thought, what a place. What a place of surrender. What a place of trusting God. What a place of being just, you know, horrendous circumstances, but Lord, I'm here with you. So it's interesting how God speaks to you through these different experiences as well as through his word. And here I am, I don't know how many years later, just coming back to mind as I'm, I'm talking to you now. So here we are in the middle of the valley and then God asks him a question. Son of man, can these bones live? Ever had God ask you a question? Hmm? Yeah. A very, very powerful thing when he asks a question. Son of man, can these bones live? So he'd had a good look. He's in the middle of the valley. Uh, hmm. Dry bones, speaking of death, things that have gone, missed opportunities, despair, not even animal life there. I mean, it just was dead. It's like, what is there for us? What is there? I mean, just nothing here. It's dead. All things have gone. God having let him have a very good look at the desolation. Not wanting him to kind of look on the bright side of life, just wanting him to see where things were at, then ask this vital question, Son of Man, <coughs> can these bones live? When God asks a question, you realise he already knows the answer. I mean, he's, he's all knowledge, he's all knowing. It's really to draw our attention. 
when, when Moses was drawn to the burning bush, it wasn't because he was a, an unusual thing. It's not an unusual thing for bushes to be burning. God was specifically saying, will you respond? Occasionally, anybody ever had that God ask you a question? No? Yes. I'm not going to ask you what it was, don't worry. I don't pick on people. Yes, of course you have. Driving along. When the boys were young. On the M20. A lot clearer then than, they, than it is now. Well within the speed limit, of course. Limit as set by a higher authority. <laughs> Minding my own business, being good. God says, how be it? How would you feel if your ministry was successful and your own voice did not walk with me? That was it. End of question. Finished. End of, end of conversation. One question. One question to draw attention that would cause, a, as it were, a, a particular guideline, a particular limitation, a particular boundary that would exist for the rest of my life. One question. See, understand when God asks a question, he has a purpose which is not just about getting an answer. It's a purpose to draw our attention. And in these days, this is the exciting thing. God is drawing our attention. He's asking a question or he's saying, look at this. What do you see? Like I said to you earlier on, when you hear these testimonies, pick up, Lord, what are you saying? When you hear somebody giving thanks, there's a declaration there that, that Jeremy was speaking about, a prophetic declaration. You can pick it up and say, I receive that. You understand that, don't you? You know, the word of the Lord comes. And you can reach out and say, I'll take that in the spirit. I'll take that. I receive that. It's an act of faith, position that we can take. Can these bones live? Gives a very, very good answer. Well, hallelujah. Amen. I'm a man of faith. I believe that these glory to God. Let's all shout louder. I could have responded like that. Kind of whipped it up. Kind of could have taken the intellectual approach of, well, let's sort out and see what we could do and see if we can fix some bones together. Yeah, I suppose that was an option. Could have taken the other approach. No way, Gov. Not a chance. I mean, there were a variety of approaches. Could have tried hard. Correct me if I'm wrong, is there 206 bones in the human body? About that, About that. okay. Yeah. Could have put a lot of effort into that. You know, find there's a whole valley full of them, there's plenty there. Work hard. Isn't it good that God draws us into partnership with him? 
He didn't need some answer from Ezekiel. He didn't need Ezekiel's involvement. He drew him in. Ezekiel responds, of course, and he says this, I said, O sovereign Lord, you alone know. It's not about what I know, not about what I can do. It's, Lord, what is your mind? You know. You have the knowledge here. You alone know. Not determined by what we know, but determined by what God knows. Absolutely necessary to follow God, to know what he's doing. He reveals it to his servants, the prophet. That's why we, we like to get behind what God is doing, don't we? What's our in-house phrase? When it's raining, pray for rain. We understand how important it is to get behind what God is actually doing. We see God doing something, we pick up on it and go with it. Very, very important that we do that. So we do what he tells us. And God can do anything with us when we're in that state, when we are yielded to him. Don't always look. Don't always kind of register as being sensible, does it? What God tells you to do. You know? Any, anybody ever known that? God tells you to do something? Say, oh, you know, I'm not sure this is a very sensible thing to do. I don't know. It's about trust. About trusting him. I was stockbroking, you know, good money. Good money. Ah. Kids could have ended up being educated. <laughs> I mean educated in a My wife could have lived in the lap of luxury, even more so than she does now. <laughs> and God says about coming, leaving that to serve him. Get together with Ken Jarvis and take it in turns to contribute from your own money to keep this, put this show on the road. Not sensible. Wonderful. Wonderful. Way beyond sensible to actually live in the purposes of God. And God gives things to say and do. Logical. I mean, fancy. I mean, do you think, imagine health and safety. You've got this poor blind guy and you spit on the ground and make some mud and stick it on his eyes. I mean, just imagine what health and safety would do with that. What about child abuse? Poor kid got a lunch that his mum's given him and these ugly great disciples come and take it off of him. Well, they gave it to him. I mean, bamboozled. Influenced. Poor kid. Gets even worse. Sees Jesus walking on the water. Peter says, I like to have a go at that. Come on then. Walking on water. We tried to do an anointing test once. I think we were in the Caribbean. Those of you who remember Alan Woody would know he was involved in that. <laughs> and the idea was, uh, how long could you stay? 
stay up without sinking, without moving. Because after a while, we realise, wow, if this is an anointing test, it's not exactly walking on water, but it's, you know, and then we found he was cheating. <laughs> he got his foot on a rock or something. So <laughs> At the wedding, we run out of wine, fill water pots with water. See, what does God look for? Looks for people that be real. Looks for people who be obedient. People who won't allow the limitation of the human mind and rationale to get in the way of what God wants. Hear me. If this is what God is saying, rest assured, he don't speak into a vacuum. He's saying this because in coming days, there's going to be increasing opportunity for us to be obedient to God rather than our own logical reasoning processes, taking us beyond the limitations, logical thinking and rational belief into being obedient to him, just as in this situation here. This obedience thing, you know, starts with little things. It not really start always with the kind of things we've talked about from the Bible. It's little things. What does he want? We hear from him. We step out in whatever the smallest thing may be. So he gives him some things to do. Uh, prophesy to these bones... Hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. I will make breath enter you and you'll come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will know and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Tells him what to do. Gives him what to say. His choice is to be obedient. Didn't work, first off. Let's read down a bit. So, I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I was prophesied, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones come, came together, bone to bone. Spooky. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them. There was no breath in them. No breath in them. I'm just going to go back to how they were before. A little while. It was kind of incomplete. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet. A miserable gaggle. A nondescript company. No, no. No. When God's at work, a vast army. Something ordered. Something complete. Something for purpose. Something according to the fulfillment of his design. Then he explained a bit more. Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. And carried on. It's the sovereign Lord. Brings forth, his word overcomes, and he brings things out of nothing. There was no life. 
There was no evidence of life, but he brings forth according to his word. Started in the beginning, said, let there be light. It's the nature of God to bring forth out of nothing. It's not about how much is there. It's about how obedient we are to him. Vast army, total change, bones in their right place, God's breath in them, focused, honed down for the purpose of God. Verse 11, And he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say, Our bones are dried up, our hope is gone. We are cut off. They say, he says. We've already focused on that. He says. We are choosing, I trust as a people, to pick up what he says. To take seriously what he says. To go with what he says. I believe that one of the key things that we've been doing in these days consistent with that is thanking God for what he's doing. Haven't you enjoyed that? Oh, I loved it. Loved it last Sunday. Loved it during the week. As one after another, we just thank God for what he's doing. Didn't that do something for you? Because we're declaring his glory. We're declaring his goodness. We're declaring what he's like as we speak one to another of the goodness of God. Wow. <sighs> Enjoy. Okay. Before long, we're going to prophesy to the bones. And this is why we're preparing. That's why we're looking at this. Why we're looking at what was the root? What were the things consistent? How did it have to be? Because we're going to be prophesying to bones. We're going to prophesy to bring forth that which is nothing, to bring forth that which is dead, to see life come where there's death. If you want a scripture, let's think what God has said to us. Uh, let me turn to it. Uh, Psalm, no, Isaiah. Come to Psalm in a minute. Isaiah 58. Do you remember this word? Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins, will raise up the age-old foundations, will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. Yes? Do you remember that? That's what we're going to be doing. And we're going to be hearing from God and receiving from God into prophesying into the particular areas and specifics as he directs us. Because that's one of the things that he said. And, yes, we already mentioned this. This will be part of it. Psalm 126. <clears throat> verse 5. Those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. He who goes out weeping, carrying seed to sow will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with him. See, it has to matter. You know. We heard from Paul this morning about 
James coming round. Uh, and there was a time, there was a moment. I don't know what the plan was. I don't know what, what the preparation was. But as he left, he said, I am coming to a time of fasting tomorrow. Of course, drop the bombshell on Paul, bless his heart, and you're joining me. Wow. I mean, that's a miracle in itself, wasn't it? To get Paul to not eat for a... See, we can talk about the physical tears, and, and you know, as we get more and more... Rel- I've, I've been, boy, tears this week. Just tears of joy. Tears of wonder as I've heard the different stories. That's, that's all right. That, that's because we're whole people. But, but if we take it as being, it matters enough that it would bring us to tears. That's, 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 that's what God's looking for. Those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. That's what I'm saying to you about Prince and this wedding in Sierra Leone. Now, I share in the joy, and I bet James does as well, the fact that Eli's sleeping. Hmm? I wish he'd come round to our house a few years ago. I had lots of people come. They came and cast out things and suggested we read things and told us we must be doing something wrong. None of it worked. Needed James Dorman to come. He who goes out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with him. Oh, yes. And you wouldn't let Katie Ann and I do that little duet this week. Bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves. We shall come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. Sometimes I feel I'm wasted. (laughs) But hey, it matters enough to go forth with precious seed weeping. But there's also a time, just as important, that we rejoice with thanksgiving and recognition that God did this and God is at work amongst us. I really, really appreciate how Lorraine has served us for so long. She was doing it again this morning, just helping us to to get the nub of the story so that we can rejoice in the goodness of God. Isn't that good? Yeah. Oh, praise God. All right, rushing on. <sighs> tears. Yeah. There is tears. Nothing wrong with tears of sorrow. Sorrow of sin of ours and others. When we consider you know, how some people are, that it moves us to tears that we're troubled deeply. We want to be a people that are more engaged in the, in the, in the fervency and the, the compassion that cause these things to, to matter deeply, that we can't just, oh yeah, that's a shame, isn't it? Well, that, that's an insipid people, a bland people, a people of passion. 
tears of sympathy with those that are afflicted. Some of these horrific things that are happening in God's world. And you see it, see it constantly portrayed in, in the press and television. God, don't let us get hardened to that. Don't let us get what they call compassion fatigue. Don't let us get so used to it that it doesn't stir something deeply within, that we cry out to God for his world and we're more fervent than ever to reach into the things and the places and the situations and the lives and the individuals that he gives us that opportunity to, that we might know something of his heart. Tears of tenderness in prayer. We stand together. Tears of cost. Going forth, sowing precious seed. You see the picture there is the, the seed that was being sown would otherwise be the food on the table of the family. It was cost. You, you're committing it to the ground with an expectation for the future. You know, I can't, see, we've got to understand the context of the scripture. Going forth weeping. This is, this is a costly thing. Sowing precious seed that otherwise I would be using in a different way. God's into this tears thing quite a big way. And this harvest of joy. Blessed are those that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Rejoicing. And you know what? I don't know any boundary other than that which God prescribes. There is no one. There is nothing. There is no people group. There is no place that is, as far as I'm concerned, a forbidden territory, a boundary. The only boundary we know is what God has said we should do and we should not do. So we pray the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth workers. And then here's another thing where we get on to the dare to dream. 1 Corinthians 2, verses 9 to 16, opens up the possibility of dreaming our way into the mind of God. See, part of receiving the Holy Spirit is that we might know the thoughts and mind of God. Very necessary before we can come into the prophesying to the bones. You've got to hear what he wants first. So in these days, we're looking to see, mm, remember, sniffing the sea air, peeping over the wall. So we pick up, what is it that he's actually saying? We dream, begin to dream our, mind, our way into the mind of God. Hope is linked to dreaming. Praise God. God speaks in dreams. Anybody ever had that? God speak to them in dream? Yes. Yeah directs our attention, he asks questions. And then, think of the backdrop. He will do more than we can ask or even imagine. More than we can imagine. Yeah? So if you can imagine, say, a pink Rolls Royce, he's probably got a gold one for you. We don't want to get into that. But he has got works of service that he's already prepared beforehand for us to do. I don't want to miss any of those. 
He'd been already preparing it. I want to access the works of service that he's got. And remember, we talked about great works. Great works is anything that he's given us to do. I don't want to miss that. I don't want God, almighty God, preparing works of service for me. And I, I miss it. Because I'm not listening or doesn't matter enough or not engaged. Great work. And all of this, we heard this week, all of this happens as we're in his presence. Revelation 3.20. Knock and I will come in and we will eat, to, to eat together. That speaks of an ongoing indwelling in his presence. Yeah? Does that seem good? We're dealing with areas of hopelessness. We're preparing to prophesy to the bones. We're beginning to rise up to take those things that God has already spoken to us about. We're living in the good, already rejoicing over the things that God is doing, the power of his might, the transformation. Steve Adams shared with us one of the Thanksgiving times. Wow. And I'm saying, God, you're a good God. Thank you, Lord. I'm hearing Paul this morning saying, God, what a good God. I'm hearing Richard and the transformation. God, what a good God. I'm hearing about at the shoulder and I'm thinking, wow. 